Hello and welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church's weekly podcast. Uh, thank you for downloading this message. This is the Sunday message that Emily shared uh, this uh, our gathering just on Sunday. Um, and I just wanted to do a really quick heads up before you start listening that unfortunately we had like every technical difficulty that you could imagine on Sunday. Literally nothing worked. It was so awful. It was hilarious. Um, but we did uh, manage to shove a phone in front of Emily while she spoke. So we've recorded what she said uh, on a voice note on our phone. So as you can imagine, the voice, uh, the the kind of the audio quality is much lower than we would have hoped and much lower than we would have expected. However, you can hear her clearly enough. Um, and I just really want to encourage you to listen in and, and uh, listen regardless of the slightly echoey um, sound quality, because I think what Emily shares is just brilliant. Um, so yeah, just a quick heads up that the sound quality is a bit dump, um, but hopefully you can get along with that anyway. And we look forward to seeing you nice and soon. Um, and just, yeah, I really hope this message from Emily really blesses you. Oh, there we go. Okay, should we welcome Embo, who's going to be speaking to us this afternoon? Yes, yes, yes. So this is my lovely wife, Emily. Um, Ah, this is really fun. So I did want to say something really quick. I'm going to steal one of your minutes, if that's okay. Um, you guys don't have the perspective that I have of this woman, who is my wife and one of the leaders of this church. She is an absolute giant, in my, from my perspective. I think she leads our church with so much... Not in stature, no. Neither of us are giants in stature, let's face it. Um, but Emily leads this church with such love and integrity and passion. Uh, we are so blessed... Um, to call her our leader, I think. She's definitely my leader, um, so thank you. Have I butted you up enough? I mean, I'm to say it. Okay, go for it. Should we give Ember a round of applause? Yeah. Oh, well. Thanks. Good Should do this more often. Um, lovely. Um, before we start, um, thank you, Lauren and George, for that time of worship. Um, I'm feeling quite emotional now. Ha ha! That bodes well for this talk, doesn't it? Um, I think having um, having a time of reflection for the last five years, um, and having a time of worship that, I mean, when did anything ever go to plan? Um, and yet, God is moving, and I would say that that is kind of how I feel about the last five years of like, nothing looks how we expected it to look. And, um, and yet, God is moving, and um, I really felt during worship that there's um, something new and um, something um, moved by the power of the Holy Spirit in store for us as a church, Um, and so I just want to quickly pray that over us. So God, we just say yes, please. Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to shape and to mould us. Um, Will you um, open our hearts, soften us up to the ways that you are moving, because we want to be moving in step with you. We want to be sailing in your wind, and so Holy Spirit, will you come, and will you shake us up this year, for your kingdom and your glory. Amen. 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 Hi. I'm really sorry. I feel a cry coming on, so <laughs> that probably will happen at some point because apparently I haven't for a few weeks, so here we go. Um, anyway, as many of you will know, and if you don't know, let me enlighten you, um, from Christmas to Easter of this year, and the last few years actually, we, um, we've been working our way through one of the Gospels, and this year um, we are working through the book of John in the Bible, and um, so this is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life, 
Um, throughout January, um, we heard about various bits from chapters 1 to 6, um, and this week we have the joy of looking through chapters 7 and 8 together um, to see what God has to say to us today from these chapters. Um, does that sound okay? Can you imagine if you were like, nah, forget it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so... Um, as I've been reading these chapters, uh, there's just this one time that I've been reminded of a bit recently, um, and that was when our eldest daughter was really little. Um, she was probably about a year old, um, and by then we were very fortunate enough to have a sleeper by then, which was great. Um, so night times weren't often like a waking up time for us anymore, um, but there was this one night like etched into my mind. Uh, because on this one night, it must have been, I don't know, about midnight, so we were just entering that, like, I've been asleep for an hour, like, ooh, deep sleep. Um, and the silence was pierced by this blood-curdling scream. I have, I mean, honestly, I thought she was being tortured or something. She's got this, like, the lungs of a something with screechy lungs. Um, like... Honestly, there's nothing like that immediate surge of adrenaline to, like, get you out of bed. I'm, like, smacking the walls, trying to find the light switch. Like, where is it? Smack the walls, turn the light on. Immediate silence. I was like, what? You were dying a second ago, and now there is silence. So I thought, oh, oh, bless her. She must have been screaming in her sleep. I'll go back to bed. Um, so I turn the landing light switch off to head back to bed, and immediately, like, she was dying again, like, screaming her head off. And I went, landing light on. <laughs> no scream. Landing light off. She's dying. <laughs> what? Um, that was the night that we discovered that our daughter was petrified of the dark. Like, absolutely terrified of the dark. Um, can anybody relate? Anyone else here scared of the dark? Or remember the... No, not me. Or remember when they were a child and they were terrified of the dark and you just kind of see and hear things and you can't properly see or hear anything. Yes? Thank you. That is the correct response. I'll take your guesses. Because today we're going to be talking about darkness. Well, actually, we're going to be talking about darkness and light most importantly. Because in these two chapters of John, there is a whole load of darkness and light. Now, has anyone read or listened to chapters 7 and 8 this week? Oh, we've got actual points in the crowd. Hello. So for those of you who don't know, we're kind of going through this as a church. Um, and so you can feel free to listen to the chapters on the podcast each week ahead of the Sunday talk, which I know you all want to do. Anyway, for those of us who haven't, let's just have a little quick whistle-stop tour through chapters 7 and 8 so that we're all starting off on the same page. <coughs> so, chapter... I'm going to just raise this up. Oh, not that tall. Um, <laughs> We'll get there somewhere. Anyway, chapter 7 starts, and um, we see Jesus, and he is chatting to his brothers. Um, they are talking about whether he's going to go to the Festival of Shelters, um, which is 
one of the three major festivals in the Jewish calendar, basically like a, a week-long festival of remembrance. <coughs> and um, Jesus' brothers really want him to go to this festival, essentially to show off his miracles and get famous. Um, and Jesus doesn't want to. Um, he knew that various um, religious and social leaders really didn't like him, um, and he didn't want to cause a ruckus, so he was like, I'm not going to go. Um, now, what I love next is, basically, through chapter 7, you go from Jesus saying, no thanks to the festival, like, it's not the right time for a bit of aggro, um, to, I'm not going, I'm just going to go secretly, staying out of public view, to halfway through this week-long festival, I'll just, I'll just go to the temple and teach a little bit. And then, so like on the last day of the festival, it says he stood and shouted to the crowds. Like, I just, that just really struck me when I was reading. I was like, well, that's amusing. I'm not going to go. Don't want to cause aggro. Guys, I've got so much to say. I'm going to shout to the crowd. Anyway, he teaches in the temple. He speaks to the crowds. Um, and then at the beginning of chapter 8, there is this story of how a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery um, was brought to him. They want to stone her, as was the law. And he challenges the crowds, the accusers disperse, and he redeems this woman, basically. It's mega epic, and we could look at all that all day. Um, <coughs> and we may come back to that later. Um, but immediately after this interaction, there's basically more conversation between Jesus and the people and the religious leaders of the time called Pharisees. Um, and Jesus is talking about being light of the world, of being sent from the Father, of being with the Father at all times. Um, and by the end of chapter 8, he has basically annoyed or confused the people so much that they are picking up stones to throw at him. And he slips away. So, no thanks to the festival. Shouting at the festival. Women in adultery. Teaching about being light of the world. Father with him all the time. Slips away because he doesn't want to be stoned. Chapter 7 and 8. Bam. So, there is loads to talk about in these chapters. Um, but today, I would love to have a little closer look at the bit where Jesus says this at the beginning of chapter 8. Yes. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, we would be remiss if we didn't look at this claim that Jesus makes. Because does anyone who has journeyed with us through John so far recognize this bit? Light in the darkness. I'm sure I've heard this somewhere before. That's right. You all got it spot on. It's right at the beginning of John chapter 1. It starts in the biography of Jesus' life written by John. It starts with this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Guys, this is the beginning of John. 
the book we're reading at the moment, and it starts with this cryptic poem. Now, for those of you who were here a few weeks ago, um, Daniel was talking about this bit, and he likened it to kind of walking through this curated, interactive museum, like, in the beginning was the word. Ooh, what does that even mean? On to the next bit. And the word was God, was with God, there we go. Um, and you're like exploring, you're going to the next little bit of the, of the museum, like what's happening next? Who's, whose life brought light? Who gives life? Like what do you mean in moment? And Jesus is standing up in chapter eight, and if, I mean, not that it was chapter eight of real life, but in this biography, standing up and he's saying, me, I give life. My life brings light. The whole book of John is threaded through with this kind of light and life narrative. And they're kind of synonymous terms, really. Um, Where there's talk of light, we're talking about life. And likewise, when we hear about darkness, we're also talking about death. So light and life, darkness and death. And it's just important that we pay attention to this when we're reading this book, because it just helps us to understand the intention behind the words. So a little tip when reading the book of John, light and life, darkness and death are really key synonymous components to this book and key messages of Jesus. And here in chapter 8, Jesus is saying, hey, that life that I've been talking about from all the other chapters, life in all its fullness, eternal life, That life is available to you by following me because I am the light in the darkness. I am the life in all this death. That is a pretty powerful thing to say, isn't it? I am the light in the darkness. I am the life in this death. Follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear what and how Jesus is talking here, it immediately conjures up like an emergency rescue operation, right? Like we've seen them particularly this week, um, but I wonder, can you play the video? We've got a little video here. Does anyone remember um, this, the Chilean miners being rescued? So this was some years ago, I haven't got all the details written down, but, um, and there were miners trapped underground for I think two months, Um, And this is a video of miners being saved from the darkness of the mine and taken up. Um, And I don't know about you, but um, this is kind of what was conjured up in my head when I'm reading this and I'm thinking about this rescue operation. um, Because these guys were trapped. They're certainly not living well. Um, Maybe some of them are lost. Maybe some of them are actually really ill. And the rescue team comes in. And can you imagine, like, that lead rescue person kind of stepping up and shouting, "Okay, guys, I'm Emily. I'm the lead on this rescue mission. I'm going to set you free, but you need to listen to me. You need to follow me, because I know how to get you out of here. Like... The authority and the understanding of the person who is in charge of that whole rescue mission. Can you hear that with Jesus' words? I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. 
because you will have the light that leads to life. This is Jesus' rescue mission talk here. And, and, it's even more powerful, I think, because of the context in which he is saying this in. He says, I am the light of the world, immediately after he has just demonstrated rescuing a lady from death. So do you remember from my whistle-stop tour of chapter 7 and 8, the woman caught in adultery. Let's not get started on the man who would also have been caught in the act of adultery, but let's move forward through that. Um, Jesus has just had this shamed, broken woman thrown towards him. He's got this ogling crowd around to see how he responds. The accusers are saying she needs to be stoned to death and Jesus diffuses it all. It says he disperses the accusers. They leave. They've gone from dragging her across, across the town with preparing to stone her to leaving. The ones who were sentencing her to death in whose hands was her life, had gone because Jesus had been there. He had been light in the darkness for her. He had brought life in her death moment. Jesus had rescued her. Now, if you've just seen the rescue lead of the operation, if you're trapped underground, if you've just seen them set your mate free, from the darkness that you're trapped in, and they're saying, I'm the lead of this operation, I'm gonna set you guys free. If you wanna follow me, I'll get you out of here. You know they can, and they will do it, like you've just seen them set your mate free. And so Jesus' version is, hey crowd, I've just set this woman free from shame and guilt and abuse and death. I'm the light of the world. Follow me, and you get to be free from darkness too. I bring light, I bring life, and darkness cannot overcome. Even death cannot overcome. Guys, we are invited to follow Jesus. To follow the one who brings light and life wherever he is. Who offers to take us out of a place of darkness and death, away from all of the stuff of life that is choking us, whether it's our addictions, our anxiety, our judgment, our lack of love. Like these things are suffocating us, whether we realize it or not. And Jesus offers us a path out. Now, um, I have a part-time side hustle as a nurse in a GP surgery, um, and I'm also the asthma nurse for our GP surgery, and so all of the um, annual asthma reviews come to me, um, but also anyone who has a persistent cough, wheezing, shortness of breath, they all come to me for um, assessment, investigation, and treatment. Now, what I find really interesting is that occasionally I get someone coming in and they're a bit embarrassed to be there, really. They think they're making a bit of a fuss. They've just got a bit of a niggly ongoing cough. And they're like, oh, it's, it's 
been like three months, so I should probably just check someone. But they feel fine in themselves. They sometimes feel a bit silly for being there. They haven't really got anything wrong with them. Nothing that is impinging on their, them leading their life and doing the stuff that they'd normally do. And so they come in, we chat through their history, I run a few tests, get them breathing into all sorts of machines and tubes. And um, by the end of the consultation, I'll say, hey, I've, um, I've picked up on a little bit of inflammation on your airways. Um, I reckon this inhaler will probably do you good. Um, so if you take this inhaler twice a day, um, we'll catch up in a month, see how you're getting on, and we'll take it from there. And occasionally they look at me and they're like, really? Like, I don't need to be here. I am fine. Are you sh like, it seems a bit much to have like this daily medication for something that's just... <clears throat> <clears throat> like, no big deal. And then every now and then, this patient comes back a month later and they go, oh, I did not realise how I felt until I didn't feel like it anymore. Like, I get me... I mean, it's the most satisfying thing. Um, they're like, I didn't know I felt restricted until... I wasn't anymore. Like, I have more energy. Funnily enough, I'm not waking up in the middle of the night, which I didn't even realize that I had been. It kind of become so used to doing it. Um, like, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, and that, that happens. That is a thing that does happen. It happens to me fairly regularly. Like, they have been offered some medication for something that they didn't even realize was an issue. Um, and they were feeling the benefits of it and the difference in their quality of life. And I think that um, similar things could be said of the stuff in our lives. Like, have you ever been, you know when you're like plunged into darkness and you kind of are like, I can't see anything at all. And then your eyes adjust and you go, oh, there's like an outline of that pillar there and there's like Ryan's head there and I can see some doors maybe at the back, sorry, Ron. Um, and, um, and we just, our eyes start to adjust and then you go, oh, actually, oh, I can, I can see pretty well here, actually. I can see Sarah's jumper. That's really nice. And I can see, oh, you're wearing a coat. How lovely. Like, I can actually see your eyes adjust and you go, it's not actually that dark anymore. And I think we start we can start ending up kind of stumbling around and feel our way around and go, oh, great, no, I, I reckon I could manage in this low level of lighting, couldn't I? Like, I've learned where things are, I've learned how things work, and I can actually see quite all right now. So, is it even dark anymore? And I think all of that stuff I mentioned earlier, the darkness that we can live in, and more, like the hurry, our uh, self-centeredness, our uh, lack of resilience, like it is, it is weighing us down. It's heavy and it's suffocating, even if we don't realize it. And I think often, I think often we've been sold a lie within and without of the church of that'll do. I'll just learn to live with this until I don't realize it anymore. Either that, or um, the comparison narrative of, well, I'm not the woman caught in adultery about to be stoned to death, so I'm all right, I'm not living, I'll just crack on. There's no darkness here. And Jesus just was like, no, no, 
You don't have to live like that. He offers us light in the darkness, whether we realize there's darkness or not. He offers us life in death. And what is even more awesome than the hope of life for us, that medication that we go, oh my goodness, I've got energy and I'm not waking in the night and my chest feels like I can breathe again. He offers us that. But even better is that as Jesus brings light and life to our darkness and our death, he then invites us to be on team. He invites us to come out of the darkness and be part of the next rescue operation. He says, follow me. He says, we are invited to be following his lead, to be learning his steps and his ways, and so to be becoming light to the world. In, um, in other biographies of Jesus' life, there's one by a guy called Matthew, um, and he is written that Jesus addresses the crowd, he's good at that, um, and he says, you are the light of the world. You, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says to us. He says, I am the light of the world, follow me. You are the light of the world. Jesus offers not only, offers us not only to follow the light in our darkness, but to be the light to others. We are commissioned to step out of darkness and to live a life of light. How? By following the rescue team lead. By following the OG of light, if you will. I don't know if, um, so with the, the Chilean miners, I was YouTubing videos of Chilean miner rescue, um, and there was one that was um, the first Chilean miner to come out of the mine. Um, and you see, and they're clapping, and he's the first mine out. If you watch, oh, hello, there we go. If you watch, you can also see, the last Chilean miner to come out, and you, and you watch this video, and all of the ones who have previously been in the dark mine are standing around and are on team to rescue their, their mates. It's like the most powerful thing, and I think that that, that exactly explains, that exactly portrays what we are invited into. We are invited out of the darkness and then on team. Yeah? Can I get an amen? Yes. yes. Following Jesus does not look like sitting in the dark, sitting in the ways that are bringing us death because we can cope and it's fine. And equally, it does not look like jogging on and getting cushy as soon as we're out of darkness. As soon as we're comfortable. I think often... Um, the church, particularly in the West, and we have been guilty of this too, has taken on the narrative that the aim of our life is to be comfortable. That following Jesus looks like getting healed up and getting comfy. And I just, I just want to call bull on that. Like, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about getting comfy. Jesus says, follow me. I am the light of the world. I see your darkness and I'm here to lead you into life. But in doing so, you are also 
the light of the world. Follow me. You can't follow someone by accident. Like, you could maybe for a few steps, but then they're going to turn off and, you know, you can't follow someone by accident. We need to choose to stand up in our brokenness, in our death-inducing stuff, and follow the light that leads to life. And where is Jesus going? You bet he is going back into the darkness to shine light, right? He is on a rescue mission for the next you and the next me. He is always, always on the rescue mission. And so if we stand up and we follow him, we will be following him straight to the next person who lives in darkness and death, to the next tumble-down building, to the next rescue operation, because he flipping loves us and doesn't want us to be in darkness. Getting comfy and patting ourselves on the back is not an option for followers of Jesus. We need to be following him, yes, for our hurts and our loss, but not only for ourselves. We need to be following him for others too. We need to be following Jesus and getting his way of life, his priorities, his loves, his perspective to be ours. We need Jesus' life and his light to heal our broken hearts because they're broken, right? He needs us to, he need, we need Jesus to cast out our fear, to restore us back to health, to bring us back into alignment. But we mustn't forget that the more we invite him to come and bring light to our darkness, to bring life to our death, the more light we are able to be for others, the more hope of life we are to others' darkness. And this, my friends, is life to the full. Being brought out of darkness and living as light. Being, being brought out of darkness and living as light. Um, and so we're going to take some time to respond to that today. Oh, to respond to that today. Um, because God is speaking to us, whether we realise it or not. He is on the move and he is desperate to be our light. He is desperate to be our life and we... Oh, we could really do with some of that, hey? And so we want to make a little bit of room before the kids join us in a minute to respond. Later on in um, chapter 8, there's a little bit where Jesus says, if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. And so I just want to ask this afternoon, who are you following? If you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Who are we following? Lauren, do you want to come on up? Um, we're just going to take a moment to stand, um, if you want to stand. Um, and we're going to respond to what God is saying to us this afternoon. Who are you following? And so Lauren's just going to play a bit of piano. But if we want to, if any of this 
has resonated, and some of you have nodded heads and yes. So I know that there's at least a few of you who God is speaking to this afternoon. Um, we just want to close our eyes. Um, if you feel comfortable and you want to, you can open your hands as if receiving a gift. And we want to address who are you following? Are you following a culture that says heal up and get comfy? Are you following a path that's leading to deeper darkness, greater anxiety, less love? Are you following the voice that says that you're worthless and unlovable? And do you want to turn around? Do you want to follow the light of life? Into the arms of a healing and loving Father and onto the path of rescue mission. Do you want to follow Jesus? So Holy Spirit, will you come? Yes, Lord Jesus, come. that has been 
to you.